We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Welcome to Mavs Moneyball's Group Therapy. I am Kirk Henderson, Editor-in-Chief of MavsMoneyball.com. You are joining me following the Mavericks' third straight loss, this time to the Atlanta Hawks. It's really painful to be beaten by small guards. Um, Guys, it's been a weird week. We talked on Sunday night, then we didn't talk for a couple of days. There was that. You know, the, the Dallas Observer published the story about the mural. We knew it was there, but I didn't want to run the story, frankly, because weekend traffic is garbage and people notice things more on the weekday. And we published it on a Monday and it quickly became a story. Um, a story in a way that I really found interesting because there was like two lines of attack. One, there was or attacks, not right. Two lines of thinking. The first was... Um, you know, what ended up being Cuban's line was that it's disrespectful to the players and everybody else because the, you know, the mural saying, you know, send the police and help. And then the other line of thinking of like, are we really like talking about a mural? How about we just make the team better? Could could that be a thing? Um, I sit firmly in the middle and I'm annoyed that it's a thing because, you know, we do this, we talk and criticize the team all the time. And so to kind of read what Mark was writing to the author or I'm sorry, to the painter of the mural, I sort of took mildly personally because it's it's like dictation on how to be a fan. And I hate that shit. Never tell people how to how to be a fan. It's it's the whole point. Like fanat- fan is short for fanatic. It's not fan for boot. It's not short for bootlicker. God, shit drives me crazy. But on the other side of it, the guy was basically expecting to be treated like he was special. Congratulations, you painted on a wall. I write, I've, I've, I've written like probably close to 2000 articles on Mavs Moneyball. I've never asked them for anything, nor will I. It's creepy and weird. Don't expect stuff for your fandom or for your art. Ridiculous. But then that sort of spawned like this odd conversation around the team. 
you know, there was a, a conversation on the ticket today. Like, it seems like that, that there's a little bit of like eyes opening about, you know, just sort of what's going on here because Mark is still very clearly in charge, which is his right, but it's, it's also has limitations. Then we come into this game and, and, you know, we're Dorian Finney-Smith is back and uh, Josh Green was back and they both looked, uh, it was good to have them back is what I'll say. I'm interested to hear y'all's takes on them, but then the Mavericks lost anyways and lost to a team that we really like to beat. So I don't know. It just kind of sucks. Like I'm not upset. I'm really not like, first of all, shout out to an early game. (laughs) We're going to be out of here before 11, which means I can go to bed like a human. And that sounds good. So, all right, you guys know the drill. Come up on stage, uh, say your piece. Let's uh, let's get in and out of here. Because, you know, there's like, I don't really know what, what you know, of course, we're going to talk for an hour now that I say that. But I don't really know what we're going to talk about here uh, with regards to the game. It just seemed like uh, a tough one. All right, coming up first, my man, Chris. Chris, did you hey, like to suffer and go to this game? What's going on? No, I, I didn't go to this game. I, I think the next game I'm going to go to is the Spurs, Mavs, uh, obviously the Mavs, uh, in San Antonio for, during spring break. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, probably some playoff games as well. But the fact that we, the past three games, we're averaging giving up 135 points, that has to be some type of Mavs record. I mean, I don't remember the last time that's happened where we're getting beat that bad on defense. I mean, the Hawks had eight players in double figures. And DeJounte Murray, Trey Young wasn't the one that killed us. I, I had no he idea. Great DeJounte- game. He, control, like, he controlled it through passing. <laughs> it's... Just frustrating because we played semi decent defense. We won this game because, yeah, I mean, Bullock played pretty good tonight. He had 18 points. Wood was playing good. Then when he's playing decent, and Luca had another 30 point game. It's just defense. And I know Finney Smith and Josh Green just came back. And I think Maxi Kluber said within a week or at least after the All Star break, he'll probably be back. But he's still I don't understand that one. That one is like, I'm, we're, I'm on the. I'm, I've been messaging with injury expert Jeff Stotts, and he he just said I'm watching this whole thing intently, <laughs> like because he. I mean, you play fantasy football. Every time a wide receiver tweaks his hamstring, he's never the same for the rest of the year. How the hell is Maxi going to have his like his hamstring detached? <laughs> yeah, that's he must be Wolverine or something. And- and also, he's thirty years old, and I'm thirty nine, and I'm basketball injuries. These things, well, that, yeah, like right, these things, right. But so. I mean, at the same time, they could just use his brain on the floor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just I, I don't really know what the tech. I really thought we were going to go out and kick the Hawks' ass. Just not just because of the Hawks, but we're coming back home. Those two disappointing games in Portland. Oh, and the thing is, the Heat. Kicked the Pelicans' ass and not by like thirty in New Orleans, so I'm kind of worried about the Heat. We should now. be worried. The Heat are not like the it, when when going into this week, you look at kind of the records and you see these teams, and everybody's kind of within two or three games of one another. And this was the one of these games that you hope that Dallas would pull out. Um, it, yeah, because we're in the fifth right. spot still. But we would have won these three games. We'd be tied with number three. We'll probably be the fourth spot still, but. But right now we're, I mean, God, just a few losing, a few games of uh, going to like the 11th or 12th spot. I mean, if other teams keep going on a winning streak, I mean, we can be out of the play-in. I mean, I, I still got several games left, and they can ride the ship and get some guys healthy. And uh, they just got to win some fucking games, man. Like it's the de- it's the defense. I don't, I'm not worried about the offense. Well, kid roasted the defense. Kid was pissed in the post game, and. 
I'm normally pretty critical of the the kind of games that he plays with with the offensive stuff, but my goodness, mm-hmm. was he right on? About yeah, I watched that post game. What what, what kid was he, saying? He, uh, but yeah, well, I say I say on offense though. But yes, all teams are basically going to just do that to Luca, just hard trap, hard double him, and just live with the results playing four on three. So yeah, they've got to figure something out. I mean, I did. I know Dimway can play good. I'm just always worried about his passing ability, but. Sure. Um, uh, I don't know. I just hope they can get something decent at the deadline, but also not give away too many uh, first round picks and more, you know, mortgage our future. I, I don't know. Maybe they just, this is like you said, you got to take their medicine and, and just ride this season out and convey that picks, I guess. Well, it's so interesting because in the ESPN pregame, Adrian Wojnarowski said the Mavericks are in play for both Nerlens Noel and Boyan Bogdanovich. And I don't see that moving the needle. Not to mention I will rage fucking blackout if we give up a first round pick for Boyan Bogdanovich in 2023 when the Mavericks could have, if they were interested, pursued him in 2019. That would make me fucking crazy. Yeah. <laughs> as long as we don't have another fucking Knicks trade, I'm so <laughs> sick of the Knicks. Dude, we're the Dallas Mavericks. Oh, the Cam, like, like Cam Reddish is uh, such a stiff, and it would it, it would be the kind of thing that if the Mavericks did it, it would be trying to like kiss up to Clutch and my read. And I don't care about that shit. He's terrible. Yes, it would be another disappointing. You know, Tim Hardaway Jr. All all these. I mean, Tim Hardaway Jr. can play good sometimes, but all we we know how streaky he is. Yeah. But. There, there's just a laundry list of players. Just so many players, the whole Porzingis thing, losing Brunson. I'm just sick of the Knicks. Please, any other team, I'm just sick of the Knicks. But I hear you. Yeah, Friday, let's try, hopefully, and pray that we get, we get a win. That's right. So. All, All right, right thanks, man. thanks for hanging out. Yes, sir. All right. Coming up next, let's go with my man, Ewan, who's East Coast-based. What's up, friend? Hey, what's up? Just uh, slogging through the night here. What's what's going on with you? Yeah, man, that's a that's a tough loss again on national TV. You know how we do when we have national televised games. Mm, <laughs> mm. Yeah, they did not look ready to play to start that game. Yeah, and it's like you know, I always think to myself like, I know Luke always come off and he you know he defers the first few minutes and he let the other guys try to get going. But I mean, I guess that's good in a way, but. I don't like that. I want him to just go for the juggler early, be aggressive. Oh, he scored 19 points in the first quarter. And then just I mean, score yeah, in the but, you know, the first Yeah, but it's like the first few possessions, like they, they you know, they kinda turnover, turnover. Sure. So, you know, so there was he really touched the ball the first few possessions. So that kind of like set the tone in the way of how the game was gonna go. I mean, nice. I, I I mean he like you said, he ended with nineteen, but I wanna see that nineteen. Sure. Be the nineteen of the first twenty points. Yeah, you want you, you want to see him like, put put the put the other team on their heels. I can I can understand that. Yeah, that's what I like to see. I mean, and it's like it's something that we've constantly talked about. It's like we have no interior presence. We have nobody that has any physical force. I mean, you know, Dorian tries. You know, Green is athletic, but we don't have nobody that can really fully battle like you know two jumps three jumps and battle someone for a rebound it's like if they miss the first jump the rebound is belongs to the other team you know so it's kind of like that is just as painful to watch you know it's just it's like a layup line anytime they get into the paint it's just like bucket bucket it's, it's, it's hard to watch it's hard I, I can i i don't disagree 
I though I at least had I thought this game was at least pretty fun, um, just with the back and back and forth element of it. And I really I, I was just I honestly was surprised the Mavericks lost. I figured they would have pulled out at some point, but those turnovers caught up with them. And then there was that basically eight zero run that took like the the Hawks about a minute, and then the game was over. That was that was pretty disappointing. So I know what you mean. Yeah, we went up we went up by ten, and then Dante Amari himself had an eight right. run, and that's like, like that feels like a bit of an outliers outlier. Like John Collins was shooting twenty two percent on threes, and he hit all like a bajillion threes, and so it's like there's enough stuff with this game for me to sort of hand wave the outlier elements, while also understanding why like Jason Kidd was so pissed. It it it, it really was just kind of a funky game, but. How many funky games are these guys allowed to have? I think is is kind of an, a, a a real question that you know is is worth asking because they can't keep screwing around. If they lose to the Heat on Friday, there's a real it's there's just a chance for a tumble. There's not you know like a ton of games on the horizon where you're like that's a win. That's mm-hmm. it, they just don't have it. Yeah, it's like every it's like every game is a clutch game. Somehow, somehow it's a clutch game. You know, even against bad teams, like, we haven't beaten the Napoleon like pretty much in a month. Yeah. So it's like, you know, this could be really rough for us to stretch. But, um, you know, it was good to see Green and um, Dodo back out there. You know, you yep. can tell with Green, his energy and his, you know, the impact plays that he's making, his passing, his just fighting over screens and fighting for position. That's something that we haven't had in, what, like a month. So, you know, that's good to see. But um, it's like, you know, you saw Luca with the pick and roll. Like, the, the Hawks pretty much – of course, did the same thing, like double him majority of the game. In the beginning, it was kind of soft, but as the game wore on, they doubled him more hard. And you can see him trying to tell Christian, like, yo, you got to come to the ball. You see the double team, you got to come, yep. you got to come up. There was no, I don't, I, 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 you know, I don't know what ought to happen, but I do know that when I see four other guys standing around, it, it, it bothers me when he's getting trapped. Yeah, it's like he's getting trapped, like do something, move. Like he's 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 accepting a trap because he wants to pass the ball. Yep. He he wants to take on the advantage. So he's accepting a trap. Do something, cut, do you know, do something. You know, so I mean, but other than that, like, you know, whenever they face, they say they, this is Lucas first thirty point game against the Hawks, and that's actually very surprising. But yep. it's kinda like he's just the Trey Young thing is like that's that's just you know, in a different look at just a different stratosphere. Yep. And last lastly is like Trey Young had fifteen points pretty much the whole game and they put up 130 points. Yep. And that's what kills me. Like he had you you did so well with him mm-hmm. and we still gave up 130 points. That's right. and you can tell that Jake he's pissed. He's pissed now. Yeah. I don't know what he I don't know what he's gonna do moving forward. You know, um, maybe push Josh Green in the starting lineup. I don't know. It's a little too early to do that since he just came back. But we need, we need, we need some defensive presence, man. We need somebody that's a fighter down there, that's a, a bulldog in the paint. And I don't know what we're gonna do. I don't know what can be done, but we need to do something. Yeah, we do. Yeah. All right, man. Thanks for hanging out. <laughs> yeah, hopefully we beat you know Miami. I just. Any thought of D-Wade just pisses me off. So sure. Oh, God, yeah. I got into an argument with somebody yesterday about Bam out of bio. I have no Bam out of bio feelings. I just fucking hate the heat. <laughs> I want that thing. Chris Godwin for the Bucks. He should never wear that jersey. Gee, I mean, jersey. I, I, I hate the Cowboys, and I'm just like, no, dude, no. No, I'm, I'm a Cowboys fan for a day because of this. All right, man. Talk soon. Coming up next, we got Simon. What's going on, man? Hey. 
Hey, Kirk, how are you doing? I am doing well. Thanks so much. Hey, good. So, um, you know, I didn't actually start watching the game tonight to the second quarter. Uh, so you missed the pain. Got, First quarter was weird. It. Well, it was, yeah. So I checked the box and uh, Lucas got 19, 6, 7, you know, and all that. And I start watching, you know, the game in the second quarter. And when he gets back into the game and, and, and other um, callers have, you know, pointed this out. They, the Hawks started going with the hot, with the high trap every yep. time they run the pick and roll, right? And I first noticed the first team that really did this to to Luca was I think t- was Toronto uh, when they played Toronto on the road, where Nick Nurse basically just decided that I don't care if they're playing four on three, like we're we're yeah, trapping just him. over and over, I mean, like selling just out. over over and mm-hmm. over and over and over, and and. You know, a few other teams have kind of, you know, emulated that that strategy, right? And then and the games where Lucas had big scoring nights, like against the Knicks and against the Rockets and teams like that, for whatever reason, they've just neglected to to employ that. Right. I, you know, and for a stretch, it was working. It was working the night where he was passing out of it, right? And they were getting Wood in the middle, and Wood would have kind of a free roll to the basket. He hit Reggie on a nice. Uh, when Reggie back cut it and and Wood hit him there, it was like kind of late yep, in the that was second good. quarter. It, yeah. it, it it was good, but I don't know that it's sustainable. And 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 the one thing that kind of like, I think this comes back to coaching, because like kid seems content to when Luca is getting just constantly you know double teamed in that situation near half court to just let it ride. And he never really seems to make any adjustments where, all right, we're going to bring, we're going to, we're going to have Spencer or somebody else yeah. bring the ball up and try to run some action to get Luca in a rhythm because it did, it did succeed in kind of taking Luca out of a rhythm a little bit where he's not seeing the rim as much. Yep. And his field goal percentage, the rest of the game suffered. Well, it felt like the shots he was taking were like, I'm going to take a shot, which is not how Luca plays basketball. Yes. Like Luca, it's not how he. It, yeah, a hundred, a hundred percent. I just, I really wanted to see if, like, if I'm crazy or if you're, if you're seeing the same thing I'm seeing. And I don't, I, I don't know if it's kid and the coaching staff trying to find a way to get Luca involved in other sorts of actions other than him bringing up the ball. And running a pick and roll, no, they just like, don't run enough sets, and I don't know. If they don't. They don't. Enough. Yeah, they don't. They they don't. You know, it, it's 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 a gift and a curse, right? Yeah. Because you have a guy who's 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 so gifted like that, but then it's a curse for him also because like it, it, it's a slight criticism of Luca, but he doesn't. He hasn't rounded out his game to where he's he's really a factor once he gives the ball up. And I know tonight he twisted his ankle and he looked like he was lumbering a little bit. Yeah, and he just seemed content to where once he gave the ball up, he's like, "All right, I, I'm out of the play." But that's but that's where like a coach, especially somebody who has like the 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 quote unquote gravitas of of a Jason Kidd who played who played who played in the league and was an All Star or was an All NBA player who can kind of reach Luca on that level, right? Whereas maybe Rick Carl, you know, Rick Carlo did play in the league, but he, but obviously he, he yeah. didn't you know, like that's where, that's where kid has to come in and be like, bro, you know, first of all, design, design something, right. 
to, to get him involved in a different way. And number two, reach him on a, on a, on a, I don't know if it's a psychological level, but to get like, bro, get move, move without the ball, post up hard, duck into the paint, move, you know, I, something, something, because yeah. it's just, I, I, it's not, to me, it's like, it works for a while, right. Where they're, where they're doing the four on three thing. But then when, when the, when the three point shooters start bricking wide open shots, you can just feel the air come out of the building. It's like, Oh my God. For sure. Yeah, that's. No. I mean, you know, game forty-five. That it's not really kind of game-to-game stuff we're looking at here. It's more the big picture stuff. And that's well, on the flip side, of- you don't have to. It's it's still before midnight on the East Coast for you, so that's good. <laughs> yeah, it's eleven thirty. Like there, there's another three-game road trip coming up where they play the Kings twice. That's just this it, is uh, just gonna yeah, kill yeah. me. So, <laughs> alas. Anyway, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Sure, always, thanks for hanging out. Always, Talk soon. Always, always a fun time. All right. Okay, let's see here. A couple more. Fo- oh, and we got my man Brent. Brent, what's going on? He wrote a uh, delightful, much more calm takedown of JaVale McGee than I would have done um, for Matt's <laughs> Moneyball earlier this week. And is he's also been our uh, our, our recent resident YouTube uh, of finder. So he's been, you know, Brent writes... I don't know, anywhere from eight to 12 things a month from as money ball. How you doing, Brent? I'm doing all right, man. Good to talk to you. Um, I think that the Hawks must've been using uh Goldberry's uh, ESPN piece today as motivation on their bulletin board. Mm. They seem to uh, play better than they have in a while. I mean, John Collins averages 12 points a game and he, it's like, what, how, what is happening? Yeah. And I, th- I think Trey gets up for these Luka Absolutely. games. I think he really does. Absolutely. I got to tell you, after the game, my head was kind of spinning because I said in the Slack, if if you gave a public interview and someone's asked you for ways to improve the site and you started your answer, well, uh, if it's with this personnel, dot, 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 <laughs> my feelings would get a little hurt, man. You might be looking for some new writers. What is he well, doing? I mean, Josh Bo made the point in our postgame show where he said, kid rarely gets directly testy he's usually passive aggressive horseshit yes and last season right before their run he did something like this too where he really called out because you know if you're gonna play luca spencer and wood together and i think the mavericks have to then they all have to play better and harder that's that's it because dorian is going to do his part josh green will do his part Reggie Bullock will try very hard and probably fail to do his part on defense. Like those are, and those are kind of your six guys at the moment till Tim comes back. Like that's the nature of this. And so I don't, I'm usually very pissy with kid comments. And for some reason, this one just didn't rub me wrong. I, because do you think that he, he waited for this game or this game waited for him in as much as he got to see the five man lineup you just called out? Hey, this is what I've got to do because of all the things that Wood has brought to the table on offense. He's probably not going to go back to a, you know, a, a six man role. And he, he's looking at it going, well, I can't tell myself that things are going to get better when Dorian and Josh are back because here they are and these guys are still getting beat. Well, and, and that's got to be it because it's been, I mean, you go look at, so, um, gosh, it's been over a month since, since Green went out because he went out in the Milwaukee game, which might as well have been a lifetime ago. And then Dorian went out a couple games later. So it's a, 
they've had sort of a built-in excuse for their defense to be bad. The thing that I'm sort of questioning, though, to a degree, and I'm, I'm going to check my math here to make sure that I'm right about the days um, that it's been, because it's been for forever. It's been over 20 games for Green, which feels nuts to say out loud. Um, yeah, it was Friday, December 9th against the Bucks. So we're looking at almost five, you know, basically five weeks, uh, five and a half. And the thing about the defense was is that it wasn't that good before. And and that's what I've I've been really curious because as they've been away longer, there's been more and more pining. It's like all of a sudden we're what if Josh Green and Dorian come back? I made an asshole joke where I'm like, it's like signing a pair of free agents. And obviously those guys are upgrades. <laughs> I don't mean to imply that, but the two of them together average 15, six and two. Like I don't that that that's not moving the needle. So it's if anything, it's just kind of a reminder of this whole fiasco about whether they need to improve the talent. The answer is yes, of course they do. When you say something like, "Well, if it starts with this personnel," that almost sounds like the preamble to we're probably going to be trading some of these guys here soon. That's what it felt like in the moment when I heard him say that. Which I mean, rearranging. I mean, they're not. This is an unfair thing to say, and I say it often, but it's, it's rearranging the deck chair chairs on the Titanic. Like any problem you, any problem you trade away, like a player's not working you're also creating a problem. Like they don't have, it's not like they have surplus assets to be able to do like what the Clippers ought to do, which is consolidate some talent or, you know, maybe even to a degree will like, like Orlando or not Orlando, um, the Thunder have where it's, you know, you, you want to shore up a rotation. You cannot have a 13 person rotation and this sort of things heading into the playoffs. And the Mavericks just don't have those, those, those ability. I don't know. No, we didn't see last year's trade coming, so maybe something surprises. But I think you're right. You've got to, it goes back to what we were saying before the season started. You've got a combination of players you can't live without, seemingly, and players that ostensibly nobody else would want. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's sort of the, the gist where these players all, I have a hard time ascertaining like value for Green, for example, because they need what he's doing. They need yes. him, and that's not an indictment of him or saying he's good or bad. But Jalen, Jalen, um, Jalen Rose calling for more Hardy, and it's like in this economy, I like that guy too. But the the rookie second rounder cannot or cannot be playing minutes when this team needs to get you know cannot be getting minutes. It, uh, the team needs a win first. Like that's that's what I'm getting at. And not just a win, but a win that uh, comes against a good team that was said earlier and winning in a way that makes it feel like a sustainable enterprise rather than a magic trick. Yeah, for sure. What else you think? So, well, I'm, I was kind of writing about this whole Maxi thing. I'm, I'm glad he's saying that he's coming back this season. But when you say you're coming back next week, bro, it's kind of scary. <laughs> Because what, what if he comes back by the practice facility? Like, I don't know. He's saying he in in the uh, Valley Sports pregame that he's not promising that he'll be back next week, but he used the term next week as a target definitely before the All Star break. And I'm like, it's great to hear so much confidence in his voice that he's not out for the season. Yeah. But the one eventuality they can't possibly let happen, and I don't think they will, nobody can prevent a re-injury, but you can prevent re-injury if it's because you came back too soon. They well, just okay, can't so let him come back too soon. Javier in the chat says one to three-week timeline is most likely. 
Jeff Stotts, the basically injury expert, only has three of these in his entire database ever. And he has data going back 10 years, okay? This just doesn't happen in basketball. The average time away is 150 days, five months. So I just don't, you know, it's, Javier says Maxi got a girlfriend. That's why he's coming back. Adam did too. That's a great (laughs) joke. God, I wish I would have thought of that. I mean, I want him to come back. It just feels sort of, you know, I'm used to, honestly, I'm used to hearing football players say they'll be back. We never hear basketball players say they'll come back. Like they just never, ever do it. No, he, he seems like a, just a, a really great teammate, yep. and he's obviously uh, an amazing and rare set of skills. I mean, to be able to protect the rim, to switch on almost anybody when he's on with his shot, to be able to spread the floor, he can pass out of the high post. You, you just get so many things when he's on the floor, and given how McGee has worked out, we need it. Yeah, for sure. Well, anything else for us? That's it, man. Talk soon. Talk soon. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight, we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hidden. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Let's see if we got anybody else waiting. Ah, Matt. Welcome, Matt. What's up? Hey, Kirk. How's it going? It's going. What's going on? Uh, I was actually at the game tonight, um, and it was a little – it was rough. Um I, I, I'm like you, it was fun with the back and forth and there was definitely some cool things that I saw. Um, but, uh, ah, man, that's just rough. Like I do we, is there really a chance that we can see this defense get any better? Do you I think? I don't see how, and that's not like it, to me, it comes down to, uh, Dorian playing better and Reggie Bullock playing better and it's on defense and, and, they're like the start of what I, I keep, and I'm not the first person to say this, but I say it a lot, where it's like the, the connective chain of what the defense does. And if they're bad, it doesn't, like, there's no one else better than them. So I don't see how, like, the, the help being Dwight Powell funneling over to the rim doesn't really matter. It's like, if it's a handoff where you're like two people meeting somebody in the paint, that's a little bit different, but it's like, we're watching guys get beat on single dribble moves on repeat. It's really, it's, it's, it's just uncomfortable is, is where I'm at right now. Yeah. Definitely seeing it live was definitely uncomfortable for sure. And what was the crowd um, like tonight? Cause I, I heard I, some of my friends who were at the game, like said it was like really hot in the arena and it felt like it kind of just like the, the vibe was strange. 
Um, you know, it, it's funny you ask that because there were two Hawks fans that were sitting behind us that were, they were so obnoxious. It sure. was ridiculous. I'd be the same. And, way if I were, yeah. I, I love when fans do it, but it also pisses me off that like season ticket holders, like sell their seats to other teams. But what are you going to do? Well, and, and the, well, so I was sitting, my boss has season tickets. And so that I was, I was sitting in his seats and they're basically in the 120 section row, like J. So it's only like a couple rows back from courtside. It's great. Awesome. Um, but gosh, man, these, these fans were ridiculous. But, <laughs> um, it, it, I, I don't even know. I want to get into it, but it, it seemed like the energy was pretty high whenever every, when, when things were going well, I think a lot of that is because, you know, Trey was in the building and it's just there, him and Luca are just forever going to be linked. And it was a nationally televised game as well. Yep. Um, you know, so I could see Van Gundy's bald head from a mile away. Um, but yeah, you know, <laughs> I will say one funny thing is that, uh, my younger brother was with me at the game. He's a, he's a senior in high school and he, he keeps up with the Mavs like a bit. And I was like, Oh, looks like JaVale's going in. He's like, Oh yeah. I was like, yeah, he's, uh, it's not playing super well. Really? And then like, right. As soon as that happened, I think Capella, like, he was guarding Capella, and then I don't know what happened, but I'm assuming he probably blew some kind of assignment, and Capella got this monstrous dunk on Bertons. <laughs> and uh, I was like, I was just like, uh, yeah, exhibit A. <laughs> he was like, sure, oh, man. okay. That's um, yeah, so no, but I think the energy was really good. I mean, because there was a point in the fourth quarter where before I, I think uh, DeJounte Murray made that like 8-0 run where – you know, it seems like we, we could have won the game, and I think the energy was really high for sure. Um, but anyway, I don't really know I have much else to add besides dif- differently than what other people have That's fine. It's always said. good to get up and talk. Because now, like, who else is going to listen to you? Yeah. You already talked to your brother. You have to tell other people. That's why we do these. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, um, but yeah, it was just, you know, uh, we'll see. I, I'm, I'm kind of like everyone else. I just, I don't want the organization to make anything make any panic moves but i don't know i mean there there was a report that came out um that luca had like privately i guess spoke with the office saying that he does want them to work hard at the trade deadline basically Uh, i don't know what that means or or what effect that's going to have um but I, I, wrote I, guess about we'll it. I, I wrote about it today and you're going to give me, you're giving me a chance to tee off about what I wrote. And what I essentially said was, you know, cause Cuban then responded, just making it a bigger deal than it needed to be. This is the Dallas Mavericks getting their first taste of superstar player empowerment. He's never had to deal with this because Dirk was old by the time LeBron James went to the heat. He was never going to do anything like this. They've never had a player in this position because it's only been going on for about 13 years. And so you know, a superstar pushing a front office to make a trade or to improve a team is news, but it should not be shocking. So what I am pretty certain what happened is that someone within Lucas circle probably contacted somebody within Cuban circle and said, Luca, you know, we need, there needs, something needs to be done to shake this up. Nothing negative about other players or anything like that, but just said, you know, we, we hope you're active. 
We hope you're active. Because in the summer, you know, Luca was on the record saying that he didn't have anything to do with the free agency. He was going to let the front office work. So I sort of think in, in a big picture sense, this is a good thing that Luca opened his mouth because it, it shows that he's not just going to sit there. And, you know, there isn't much the Mavericks can do, to be quite honest. But I'm glad that he's using his voice. And then Mark, you know, answered and basically said, Tim McMahon is like every like, Tim, Tim McMahon is wrong about this. This hasn't happened, which, you know, how many times has Cuban come out and affirmed denial only for it to be true? And so it's just like, of course, right. Mark makes it a bigger story than it needs to be. It is what it is. But it's just for me, this is this is the price of doing business with, uh, you know, with with having a superstar. I don't mind him exerting a little pressure. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um it, it's interesting too that it comes on the day that uh, the mural was also removed, and I understand that his, I guess, his PR people or yeah. whomever basically asked the artist to remove it. Um, but I guess he wants to basically work with him to do something different, um, which I think is pretty cool. I, I think that was a good leadership move for for Luca to do that, um, but. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know really what to think of this team still. It's weird. Um, it really is weird because, you know, if they could go on a huge losing streak, they could go on a massive winning streak. And I would not, I simply wouldn't bat an eye either way. So. <laughs> yeah. Somebody just said Luca actually wants the mural bigger. <laughs> somebody saw, I, I saw um, the thing that said his next collaboration will be Luca asking for a trade request via mural. And I'm like, no. <laughs> anyway. Oh my God. Well, thanks for hanging that'd out with be, us. That'd be terrible. Yeah. Thanks so much, man. Thank- Talk soon. All right. We got anybody else? Oh, Krishna. Krishna is one to come in and, 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 and take us out. What's happening? Buddy? Kirk, how are you? I'm good. I'm 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 browsing while I'm talking to you guys. I'm browsing Amazon Kindle deals for books that I will never read because I don't have time to. <laughs> so what's going on? Um, I watched some of the game, not really a lot. I've been busy with other things, but sure. this felt this game. I, I knew I wanted Josh and Dorian back, like anyone else. Yep. But I knew in the back of my like in my heart, I was like, okay, this is going to help. But in the back of my brain, I knew this is not going to make a difference. Like. These guys, like especially Dorian, who has not played good defense pretty much this entire season, um, whether we want to admit that or not, I didn't think he was going to come back from a pretty serious injury. Yeah, especially for a guy who's thirty plus, and and be and be a net positive on the defensive end. And and Josh, like I think Josh will come come around to it. I think he's a lot younger, so obviously. His athleticism. He looked good. I mean, I thought Josh looked pretty good. He just gets called for lots of fouls. And I think that's just, that's something that kids. I think that's an experience thing. Experience. I think like kid making the argument that these things aren't fouls. Please stop. Yeah. I think I'm not as worried about Josh just because he has athleticism and age on his Mm -hmm. side. And Dorian, it's it's hard to say that because Dorian is, is now 30 plus. And I feel like I've made this point in different places, but this roster has four players who are under 30. And Spencer is one of them, and Spencer is about to thir- turn yep. thirty. Yep. And it's not even to critique these players, right? And it's not even to get into the whole needs help. It's it's more about like, you know, you need you need some you need the tiers. You need a tier of players. And for as much as like I like to joke on the Hawks, the Hawks have done a pretty good job in terms of their roster building, where you know they have different levels of players and. 
you know, d- technically the roles are far more defined, but I mean, they have other issues, but that, that roster in and of itself is very well put. And it's even the same with OKC, like, you know, people can talk about tanking is bad, but you know, that is a very well built roster, even for a tanking roster in terms of just the level of talent that's there. And they're missing their number two overall pick. Um, and they still have a lot of picks and a lot of stuff to do. And, you know, I was listening to another podcast and they were talking about, yeah, the Mavericks have tried, but, you know, they failed. And it's like, okay, but the the problem in the NBA and the problem in sports in general is sports is kind of the closest thing we have to a meritocracy. And when you have a real meritocracy and you fail, you don't get a second chance. Yep. You fail. And that's the issue. And I was thinking about this, how I forget the Cavs owners now, but, you know, so much has been compared of Luca's early career to, you know, LeBron in the early years. And we talk about nowadays how like GM LeBron, but when you look back at it, it makes sense why he became GM LeBron, because when you get stinged like that over and over again in Cleveland. Oh, but then, he was, he was response. See, this is where players doing this sort of stuff becomes extraordinarily difficult for GMs. And as I wrote today, because like, no, I, I agree GM. with you. No, no, no. Look, I, I, I'm not going to sit here and defend it. I'm going to sit here and say I understand why he makes those decisions, right? Like, you don't trust your, you don't trust the front office, right? Because you sit there and then you go, okay, no one is giving me anything, and I can't blame these guys. I like these guys and I like these players, but the front office is not letting me do. Like, I feel like I have to do things. But then when you do that, you make really bad front office decisions. It's kind yeah. of why, like. I have always argued Miami was kind of that perfect situation where clearly Pat Riley like gave him like took input from him, but Pat Riley was a very competent like front office person. Right, he wanted like, to fire Spo. Yeah, and, and and yeah, there's like a point where it's a balance, right? Like yep. clearly Dwayne like Dwayne Wynn and LeBron wanted Bosch, they wanted certain players, and Pat Riley was okay with that. But when it came to firing Spo, Pat Riley was like, no, like we're just not going to do that. Yeah. And it's that balance and. Uh, he went back to Cleveland and it was kind of a mess. But the one thing I praised Cleveland for in the last year of LeBron is they hi- they fired uh, David. I forget his name. Um, he's the Pelicans GM now. He's done a great job there. And then they hired Kobe Altman and they were very firm. Like, we're just not going to trade picks. Yep. You're just going to play this out. We, we don't care. We- we're pretty sure you're just going to leave. Right. And I-, I thought that was a good move. And since then, you know, they've had five first round picks. Two have not been great, you know, Colin Sexton and Isaac Okoro, but they got they flipped Colin Sexton and another pick for Donovan Mitchell, and they have a really great team over there. I mean, they're still missing parts, but they've taken that chance. And part of what I've seen from that is you don't hear from the owner anymore. Uh, infam- so infamously, you I remember, right, LeBron leaves in 2011, the decision or whatever. And there's that stupid Comic Sans like press release and it's absolutely idiotic it's one of the worst things i've ever seen and and since then yeah i think part of it is just winning and all these right decisions going that their way but since then you just don't hear from him and you know i think mark cuban is kind of a microcosm for the failures of this team and you know the simplest thing mark cuban could have done when this report comes out say nothing that's it you you say nothing i mean who cares who 
you, if you do not say anything, then no one is going to say anything, right? It's not going to be a big deal. People are just going to speculate, oh, maybe the Mavericks make a trade. Maybe they don't. Yep. And and that's it. That's all it is. But I also think part of it is Mark started owning the team when he was fairly young for a guy to course. have. Yeah. yeah, like a, technically. But, I mean, I feel like he didn't personally have the maturity to own the team. And I don't think he's ever really learned – uh, about owning the team and being able to step up to the plate. You know, there's been... Well, what made him so interesting is also what now makes him boring. It, it you know, the, the over, like the, the supreme attention to detail and the level of things that he wanted to do in 2001 are just not interesting in 2023 because all of these owners, almost all of them, there's probably six or seven that are, are, are kind of old school owners, like the Pacers owner, but and, and the Spurs owner, but so many of these guys are billion, billion, billionaires. Like Cuban is in probably the meat, like like the 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 middle ten of the three in terms of wealth. And so it's like all this stuff that the Mavericks used to do that was different. He set the standard, so everybody catches up with it. And now he's primarily like his primary like like the stuff he does. He's talked about it. He's involved in the day to day. He's involved. I I wouldn't be shocked if he's involved with like arena operations. Maybe not. I don't know. But it's just and and so that sort of thing where it's like he's constantly around is what I've been arguing for close to three years. Where I'm just like this can't help. It's not interesting. Players don't want this. Like Steve Ballmer's hilarious and weird and a billionaire beyond measure, but he's also a dork, and I doubt the players really want to hear him making a pitch. Yeah, and I also think like Steve Baumler also hired people who clearly have a lot Correct. more basketball knowledge than him. Like Jerry West is, I, I think, has one of the best track records as a GM. Um, not perfect, but a very good track record. Yeah. And maybe Steve Ballmer gives input, but I'm sure at the end of the day, Steve Ballmer is not the one you know deciding to go get Trey uh, Trey Mann, go to get Shea Gilgis Alexander, right? Like uh, make those trades, you know. I don't think he's the one doing that. And I think clearly Mark is the one doing that. And you've kind of put it out there, right? The Mavericks didn't upgrade anything in their arena until Luca came until yep. 2018. They didn't upgrade the locker room. Well, I mean, that's they've a, done long a lot time. of stuff. They really have. Yeah, I, I don't sure, want to crack but... on them for this stuff. It's just, that's no longer like there was the Cuban run on the knuckleheads podcast. What two players do that? And they talked about how cool they thought it was that Cuban did all that stuff, but did they come play for the Mavericks? No. Like, <laughs> well, that's the thing, right? Like, I was listening to, I don't remember, I don't know if it's a podcast or a show. It's called like the CJ McCollum show or podcast. And Mamani Jones was on one of the episodes and he was talking about, like, oh, yeah. You know, why don't people go play with Luca? Like, it's tax free, all this stuff. And, and then CJ kind of said this thing and it's like, oh, there's another reason. He didn't say anything else. He just said, there's another reason. Yeah, and I was like, as soon as I, and I was like, okay, everyone knows it's Mark Cuban. Like, yeah. you know, all these quotes about like Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant, they're going to catch up with you, dude. Like other people like those players, whether you like that them last or... year before all this stuff broke down and got a lot of grief yeah. and it made Mark mad specifically at me. Like I, yeah, but it's, but it's true. Yeah. Like, okay. If I'm in like data analytics, right. If I go out and I just start insulting people who make this platform, that's very popular tableau. Well, by winning the news cycle, like there's, there's there's a theme, there's a thought in like in modern politics and it really started with like what Reagan used to do to uh 
to the Speaker of the House then where you just constantly dunk on this guy, which is kind of how we've evolved to the modern politics we have now, where it's like you win the news cycle. But winning the news cycle inevitably comes with a cost when you're constantly in the news about stuff. Because when you sit, the more you talk, and this is my problem, this is Bill Simmons' problem, it's a lot, it, the more you talk, the more likely you are to say something stupid. Yeah, that's that's very true. But I think the difference between you, Bill Simmons, and Mark Cuban is the stakes are very yeah, the different. Reach. Absolutely. The, stakes well, the reach, absolutely. The reach, too. The reach, of course. And you know, it's going to have different effects. And I think the biggest thing is when the Mavs try to, you know, have dry powder and and do all these things in free agency, who's going to want to come? I'm not going to play for the guy who insulted two MVPs. Yeah. You know, who insulted all-time great players. Kicked Lamar Odom when he was on the bench. You know, and and called, you know, um, God, what's it? Kenyon Martin. Called Kenyon Martin a a pretty derogative thing. Like, I'm yeah. not going to play for that owner. Like, why would I? I can just go play in LA with Steve right. Ballmer. He's going to pay me just as much money. He's not, he's going to be weird and wacky, but I'll be in LA. I'll get paid way more money. Yeah. Like it, it's, it's understandable. And it's not, I, I think the critical thing is no, no one is against the players. Like, I don't think anyone is sitting here and blaming Spencer, blaming, you know, Reggie. But to me, the point has been clear guys like Reggie, you know, if they're on other teams, they, they don't have the same role. And that's perfectly fine because they don't need to be at this elevated role. Yeah. But when you build a roster like this, these are the consequences that you face. And I think ultimately, I don't know what happens, but I, I hope, I hope for God that, you know, yes, I'm glad Luca is putting pressure and I think it's kind of a little too late, but I also hope it's not the situation where then you, you start making really dumb trades. Like you go out yeah. and you get Bogdan Bogdanovich and you go out and you get older players like, please stop trading for 30 plus year old players or even players at 28, like go get someone young. Like if we're going to trade a THJ, I don't want, I, I personally am not interested in the Terry Rozier stuff. I just don't completely understand it. And for me, I, I'd rather us go see, go get someone like Isaac Okoro, who's like kind of frozen out of that Cavs lineup. Right. He's a very I, good. Would, I, I, yes, I, I'm tired. So I, but Isaac Okoro would make us mad in whole new ways. No, I, his offense is horrific. I'm not going to sit here and defend his offense, but it's like, or, or go get Rui Hachimura. Like his, I think he might be okay. But like, my point is stop going and trading for really, for, for advanced age players who you're going to get stuck in their contracts. And then you're going to say two years from now, eh, what are we going to do? We need to trade. And, and you'll repeat the cycle over again. Like you just cannot, the, the problem is you cannot make mistakes anymore. And I don't know if I believe in in this ownership and this front office to do to do that to to not make mistakes, and that's kind of sad because, you know, I, I don't personally hate anyone on these players, but you know, you read Twitter and it's like people are getting mad about Dwight Powell. Well, I, I can't get I can't completely get mad about Dwight Powell. He's put in a lose lose situation. Like he yeah. he's he's put in a situation where he has to do things that his skill set are is not that good. Yep. Uh, his skill set is not made for it, and and. It's tough. It's tough because I don't want to completely go in on these players, but they're also in that situation. And some of it is, you know, on, on the coach, some of it's on, you know, the front office. And I think a lot of it is on ownership. Yeah. And my thing is, I don't think it'll ever change unless ownership changes. And I think the, the time for ownership change is, as, as it's been a while and there was a, a, I think a really a time that it should have changed. And I don't think it ever will. No, at this no, point it, won't. Unless it, something, won't. it won't. That's okay. It won't we'll have to deal with it. Krishna, we'll thanks for hanging happens. out.
Yeah, thank you, Kirk. Sorry for holding oh, everyone hostage for so long. I'm, I'm going to go to bed. Uh, I, I I do have news. If if the if the Mavericks do become available, we will pool our money, and and Mavs Moneyball Group Therapy will buy the Mavericks. I'm sure we can come up with it if we look between the couch cushions. Okay, everyone, be good. Thanks so much for hanging out. We will be back on Friday night. Everyone, have a good finish to your week.